Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after loss. This week, we'll talk to Christina Lurchin, editor-in-chief of The Best Unexpected, an inspirational website that helps women navigate grief, loss, and trauma. Her story of loss is so hard and so awesome. Also on the show today, a listener wants to know what to do with the pain of not being able to say goodbye before a death. And I talk about how you should behave when someone shares their story of loss with you. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide who gives people the tools, space, and support to come back to life after loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to equip others with the knowledge to heal and remind them that they are not alone. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coming Back. I am so glad to have you here this week. I'm absolutely jazzed for this week's episode because it's my birthday week episode. My birthday is this coming Saturday, August 12th. That's right, I am a Leo. If you're a new listener or haven't listened to last week's episode yet, I'll tell you that for my birthday this week, I am asking all of you for 25 Facebook reviews for my 25th birthday. Yes, as a new business owner and a new podcaster, I know the power of social proof, which means your likes, your reviews, your words, and getting new ears tuned into the message of coming back from grief and loss. So if you're feeling generous this week, maybe have two minutes to spare or really just like giving people gifts, especially free ones, I would so, so love and be so grateful if you jump over to my Facebook page, which is Shelby Forsythia Intuitive Grief Guide, and give me some stars. As of recording this podcast, it looks like I only need about 12 more people to leave a review before I reach 25. So take 60 seconds today. You can jump onto Facebook while you're listening to the show right now. We will wait for you. And you can leave a review right now. I would be so, so grateful for your contribution. And you would be making my first birthday as a business owner so, so sweet and so awesome. So for the top of the show this week, I want to talk about how to listen to somebody else's story, how to be the best friend and the best person to somebody who's revealing a hard or difficult or traumatic part of their lives to you. This is a life skill that we all need. And yet I hear so often in my work that when people open up their hearts to be heard by others, they're met with false sympathy or distance or a person who is so overcome with their own emotions that the information that the original person just revealed seems totally invalidated by comparison. We will all experience loss in our lives. We will all see death divorce and diagnosis before we leave this earth. We may not experience death, divorce or diagnosis on a personal level, but we will walk alongside friends and family experiencing them. In addition to death, divorce and diagnosis, we will also be or do life with people with mental illnesses, people with a history of abuse and people who have known or seen trauma up close. And this is scary to think about. I know a lot of you might be like, holy crap, that's a lot of trauma that we're kind of carrying around as 
as people every day. And yeah, that's, that's the real deal. Literally everyone you know has experienced a major loss or is going to within their lifetime. If it's not death, it's abuse. If it's not divorce, it's depression. If it's not diagnosis, it's trauma. We have all lost and are losing. It, it's an escapable reality of, of being alive. But here's the thing about it. We are really bad at handling the news. One of my grief recovery clients told me that when she told her friends about her divorce, many of them distanced themselves from her, either not knowing how to support her or afraid that if divorce touched her life, it could touch theirs too. One of my closest friends back home has a history of abuse and mental illness. He literally strategizes when he's going to reveal the contents of his past to people because he's learned that some people are more receptive to his story than others. People he's told in the past have broken down into inconsolable tears, and he's been put in the awkward position of comforting them. And and some people blow right past him sharing his history and wounds and immediately start sharing their own in a clumsy and terrible effort <laughs> to try to connect. In my own life, I've noticed that when I tell the story of losing my mom at 21, People are anxious to fill the silence created after I say that. I've had people immediately start talking business with me, which is ultimately good for me, but not exactly helpful in that immediate moment. I've had people start to tell their own stories of parent loss or stories of other people they know who've lost a parent in an effort to try to connect. And I've also had people jump straight into asking questions. So what did she have? What was she diagnosed with? Were you in school? Did you have any siblings who were affected? What about your father? Guys, <laughs> this is this is not the way to handle other people's hearts. When they tell their stories of pain, we shouldn't be interrogating them or backing away or breaking down in tears or showing our own wounds in a disjointed effort to commiserate with each other. In the immediate moments after someone shares their story with you, the seconds and minutes after they send you a text, or in the silence after they tell you in person or over the phone, it is your job to hold space for them. It is your job to hold space for them. And what is that? What is holding space? What does that look like in practice? What does that look like in real life? Holding space is being totally, 100% there with someone in their pain. You are not taking on the pain as your own. You are not analyzing or fixing or criticizing or judging it. You're not comparing the pain to pain that you felt in your own life. You're literally sitting there with somebody else's heartbreak and thinking, I know now that this pain exists. I am showing up for it. I am a witness to it. I am looking at it. I am here. There's a cute and really cheesy visual that the grief recovery method uses called being a big heart with ears. And I just love that for the idea of holding space. And in the storytelling portion of the classes that I hold, that is our instruction. Just listen. Be a big heart with ears. No judgment, no analysis, no criticism, no fixing, just presence. The occasional nod or yes or gasp is okay. So is crying a little. 
But being a big heart with ears is making a focused and conscious effort to just be there. Listen to that pain. Hold that pain. It's real. You're hearing it for the very first time and it's coming out of somebody that you love. You want to be a good friend? You want to be somebody they'll continue to trust with their darkness, which is such a privilege. Be a big heart with ears. Hold that space for them. And I get it. This is incredibly hard. This is incredibly hard. Finding out the guy you've been talking to was physically abused by his father from ages 5 to 10? Hard. Finding out all but two women in your weekly book club have been raped? Hard. Learning that your coworker's mom completed suicide last winter and that's why she's having trouble concentrating? Hard. Learning that your cousin just miscarried? Again? Hard. Learning that your next-door neighbor had to kick his son out because his last drinking bender put the entire family in danger? Hard. Learning that your favorite teacher doesn't go home for the holidays because her house was literally destroyed by a tornado last year? Hard. Guys, this stuff is hard. It's not pretty. It's not fun. It's not optimistic. There's no... There's no happy ending here. I don't have a happy ending to offer you. There just, there just isn't one. It's incredibly hard and it's incredibly heartbreaking. And whatever feelings you have about the pain that all these people bring to you are valid. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I really want to drive home this week when you're listening to and being granted access to someone else's story of pain or loss or grief or trauma. It's a huge element of being a big heart with ears. And you know what it is? It's not your turn. It's not your turn. It's not your turn to share your story. It's not your turn to shut down because of the weight of their pain. It's not your turn to judge or analyze or criticize or fix or ask questions. It's not your turn to take the spotlight away from the pain that's being shared with you by a person that you love and who trusts you. It's not your turn. And this is not me saying be strong. This is not me saying clam up. This is not me saying that you're not allowed to feel and you're not allowed to cry. What I'm saying here is that when someone reveals their pain story to you, that pain and this person that you love needs space and visibility and support in order to be validated for just sharing and and bearing this piece of their soul. In this moment, your only job, your only job is to hold space for them and to honor their story with that space. That is the biggest, most powerful statement of love and connection that you can possibly offer them in that moment. Nothing you say, nothing you think, nothing you do could top the power of your presence. I'm doing a lot of repetition today at the top of the show, so let me say that again. Nothing you say, think, or do can top the power of your presence. Open ears. Yeah, an open heart. Breathing room and acknowledgement 
of their vulnerability in presenting this pain to you. Say, I am so sorry. Say, I'm here. Say, thank you for sharing this with me. It's an honor to know this about you. Say, you are safe here. Say, I love you. Because we think if we're not saying enough, if we're not saying something profound or helpful or significant, that it doesn't matter. We think that if we can't commiserate with people or fix what they're feeling or look like we care by asking a lot of questions, then they won't know how much we love them and care about them and hate that this is happening in their lives. But grief is often a place where the simplest truths are the most profound. I am so sorry. I'm here. Thank you for sharing this with me. It's an honor to know this about you. You are safe here. I love you. This is a free tool this week, guys. This is something I teach in my classes, but it's coming up so frequently for me that I needed to share it with you right now, today, on this podcast episode today. I am I am giving it away. It, it is yours to have and to share and to experience. This is how you hold space for people. This is how you make yourself present with other people's pain. This is how you stay on the phone with your sister who's struggling. This is how you watch the nightly news or respond to social media posts that just absolutely break your heart. This is, <laughs> this is how you take time to listen to your coworker or your roommate or your brother from another mother. In these moments, at this time, it's not your turn to contribute. It is your turn to hold that space, to be a big heart with ears, to be present as pain is revealed and poured out and dredged up right in front of you. It is truly, and I get chills every time I say this, every time I see it written, it is truly a gift to be the recipient of someone else's story. It is. It's truly a gift to be a recipient of someone else's story. So it's time we started treating it that way. I say all the time that we will all experience loss in our lives, but an unseen implication of that statement is that we will all be the recipient of lost stories at some point in our lives. Use this tool today, guys. It is absolutely necessary. Thank you so much for listening to my story today, grief growers. I really want to hear from you. When is a time that you held space for someone else's grief story? What does it feel like? How does it feel when someone holds space for you? When was a time that somebody in your life really got it right? What did they do? What did they say? 312 725 or Shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. I would love to hear from you. Up next, a listener question on not getting to say goodbye before a death. Hey, Shelby. I'm a 46-year-old woman living in Gainesville, Florida. My heart is breaking. Do you think you could help me?
I just found out that a man I dated five years ago died in February of this year. I talked to him a little bit before he died, but because we'd broken up and both gone on to see other people, our conversation wasn't as deep as when we were together. He never gave me any indication that he was sick or that his health was failing, but he died from lung cancer that spread to his brain. My sister found him on Facebook and saw that his page was memorialized and then called to tell me. We found the obituary and service information and everything online. I feel so hurt and so betrayed that he never told me that this was going on. I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to him or even to pay my respects at a service. How do I get past this? I know we dated five years ago, but I cry every day that he's gone. Anne. Oh, Anne, I am so sorry to hear that this is your reality right now. It sounds like you were left out of the loop regarding your ex-boyfriend's life. And while a lot of times that makes sense after a breakup, when it's life or death, it can seem really cruel and like, and really stupid for, for lack of a better term there. You would want to know if anybody in your life had been diagnosed with something. So why would you be kept out of the loop? What's really hard for me to say in all this, because it's true in my own grief and the griefs of so many others that I know, is that the things that we don't know are the things that are the most difficult to deal with. The facts of death are hard to deal with on their own, but the unknowns that come with it are really what keep us up at night. So I can only imagine that your mind is swirling with, why didn't he tell me? Why didn't his family contact me? Why didn't I ever think to find him online? Why did he choose to die this way without me knowing? What about me made it so that he couldn't trust me with this information? Yeah. I hear you, Anne, and I am so sorry. In my work in grief recovery, we talk a lot about the phrase different, better, or more, which is the phrase that we use to catch all of these swirling mind thoughts of, I wish it had gone this way, different, better, or more. The way that, that this man that your ex chose to communicate with you or not communicate with you ended up robbing you of the chance to say goodbye to him. And this leaves you in a place of being emotionally incomplete with him. Like your relationship is still, is still open-ended in a way. You didn't get to say that goodbye. You didn't get that final transmission, as well as, as anything else you might have wanted to say to him had you known he was going to die. I highly, highly recommend for you, Anne, to get a copy of the Grief Recovery Method Handbook. And this is a book that I talk about all the time. It expands on these feelings that you're having right now of not getting to say goodbye and guides you to, to take actionable steps in real time today so you get to say that goodbye to this man. I'll tell you that that this handbook was the most useful to me as a tool through the grief recovery method support groups. And this is working with other people to complete these relationships. And you can find a group near you by going to griefrecoverymethod.com slash grief dash support dash groups. I will read that again. It's griefrecoverymethod.com slash grief dash support dash groups. And once you get to that website, you can type in your zip code and find a specialist who's trained in the same program that I am to help you through this book and through this process. And it's really more impactful when you do it with somebody sitting across from you. It helps you to remember that that you're not alone in this process and you're not crazy for wanting to say goodbye or for crying every day. And 
And while we can never totally erase these memories from our stories, we can definitely work through and work on the weight of the pain that's attached to these memories. And in a way, that is what helps ease our suffering. I want to mention really quickly, too, that this man may not have wanted you to know about his cancer for a lot of reasons. Some people don't want to be perceived as weak. Some people don't want to burden others with the news. Some people just want to connect with someone that loves them and still sees them as normal without that that perception that cancer can bring with it. There can be so many reasons why we're left out of really important news in people's lives. And whatever the reason's in, you still deserve to say goodbye to him and complete what was left open-ended by his death. You so deserve that. My heart goes out to you, and I hope that in this book and in these groups, you can find the answers and the help that you need to complete this relationship. If you're struggling with a sudden death or were robbed of the chance to say goodbye in your own relationship, I highly, highly recommend that you check out the Grief Recovery Method Handbook or website. I tell people all the time that the Grief Recovery Method is the program that launched my student of grief studies and opened my eyes to how grief affects our lives. I personally work with clients local to Chicago. So if you're in the city of Chicago or know someone that needs help in the city of Chicago, I would love the opportunity to work with you. Please email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. You can find that in the show notes to get started. If you're outside the city of Chicago, I would still love if you picked up a copy of this book. It's helpful for you no matter what city you live in. Um, and if you go to the griefrecoverymethod.com slash grief dash support dash groups, the same website I gave to Anne in this segment, you can find a grief recovery specialist who's trained in the same program that I am in your area. We are all trained and standing by and waiting to support you through what is really hard heart work, but really vital to releasing that pain and being able not to move on, but to move forward. As always, you can ask your own question to be featured on the show by leaving a voicemail or texting 312-725-3043 or emailing shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. And you can find both of these contacts in the show notes. Next up, we'll talk to Christina Lurchin about how she's turned the death of her daughter and the death of her best friend into a thriving community for grief to be seen and heard. Christina Lurchin is currently the editor-in-chief of The Best Unexpected, an inspirational website helping women navigate life's unexpected moments such as grief, overwhelm, and loss. It's her passion to help people find a place where they can learn how to talk to each other and find the creative tools to help us move forward while still honoring the emotions of loss. Her work and writings have been featured in magazines such as Self, Allure Korea, Lucky.com, CBS Watch, and Women's World Daily. Her blog has been syndicated through Today.com, Chicago Sun-Times, Huffington Post, USA Today, and Yahoo Shine. I am so stoked to have you on the show, and I want to start off where we start off all of our interviews, and that is with your loss story. Of course. Um, My loss story actually started about, it will be close to uh, six years, actually this year, and uh, my best friend of 27 years was diagnosed with breast cancer, which ended up becoming metastatic breast cancer. 
And about a month after uh, we discovered her cancer, um, I had been pregnant at the time, uh, and my water broke around 20 weeks, and I ended up having to deliver uh, my daughter, who was a stillbirth because of that time. So for the last six years, I've kind of been dealing, or I had been dealing with the loss not only of my daughter, but the decline and illness of my best friend who, you know, is she was essentially, you know, for lack of better words, a soulmate in my life, you know, since I was a little girl. So it was a simultaneous grief experience for me. And what I really discovered was how different they both were. You think, you know, especially with cancer that you can prepare. Um, and the truth is you really can't, it's such a extensive journey, not only watching the person you adore, um, suffer and knowing their, their fate, um, but then also having the kind of shock and grief I had of the loss of, you know, our first child. Um, and then due to that, the sub- subsequent illnesses on my own that that caused. So it's been about six years now where I've really had to kind of go inward and try and discover what was happening, not only with my own reactions to grief and how it was changing my life and my perspective and my heart, but also how the people around you react to it because it truly changes um, everything around you. It's not just you. It's, it's your connections with others, your communications with others. And for me, it became such a a profound learning experience that it really changed the course of my life. That's incredible. And it sounds like you just got totally double whammy by life. Yeah. Not one, but two smashed. (laughs) Yes. I got Yeah, it was, you know, I'd like to, and I've said it before that I, I truly feel that at the time it it felt like a tornado. It felt there were times where you kind of just sit back and you start to get that mentality of what's next. You know, you, you just feel like you're being hit from every direction. And that's when I really decided that it was for my own sanity and, and future and to learn how to move through these processes that that's when I started diving into, you know, uh, learning about grief, learning about resilience, strength, how we can take these traumas and, and instead of letting them dismantle us, learn how to let them heal us and help us grow. Because it truly was, as you said, it was a, it was a constant back to back of her illness. And then because of my body, which as I'm sure, you know, when you're going through grief and stress, your body also response to that. I was fighting my own illnesses as I was trying to be there for her and figure out what had happened to my life, essentially, because it changes you. It just profoundly changes you. So everything you, you kind of held on to or thought you knew about yourself really kind of turns on its head. So it's a rebirth in so many ways. I'm curious to know what changed in your, in your work and your relationships and your family life immediately after hearing the news of both of these events? Uh, well, and that's actually what's become kind of my passion and mission is because what I realized is that nobody is prepared for the conversations and the connections that need to happen when you see somebody suffering and going through grief. We truly, as a, as a society, um, have blocked it out have, we don't want to deal with it. You know, we don't know how to have those conversations and sit with somebody in their discomfort or their pain. Um, even watching Nikki and how she was trying to navigate who to tell, who to let in or who to let go of, because 
the unfortunate thing, and sometimes actually the beautiful thing about it is that you do kind of get to really see who walks into your life and who walks out when times get rough. And so for my family, they've, that was never a question. I come from a, you know, a a huge, we call them, you know, the feral family tree. My, my, you know, three sisters and my mom, it's once something happens, everyone knows within 10 minutes and everyone kind of jumps and goes straight to the house with uh, food and comfort. It was um, the friendships that were a little more uh, difficult because some people didn't truly know how to connect. You know, they want, they want that, they want everything to stay the same, which is joyful and happy and partying. And there's a time where that's okay. And there's another time where you need to be able to just be there and be present for someone. And what I realized is a lot of people really don't have the knowledge or experience of how to do that for the people they love. Because what you find is the people who are willing to sit there with you for it, you'll have so much more joy with them and connection because you've allowed yourself to have that vulnerability. You know, I joke that one of the one of the worst things we say, you know, as a community is I am fine. Like those three words should be banished from the, mm-hmm. from the English language because it puts up such an immediate block. And it's and 90% of the time, it's, it's truly not true. It's just the only thing we know what to say because we're afraid to let people in or have that connection. Because I think some of us have been burned when we try and be vulnerable and say, I'm suffering, I'm grieving, I'm having a hard time. You get the people that fight back with, Oh, just be positive. Everything happens for a reason. You know, God has a plan and that that'll shut you down because, you know, that makes you not want to communicate. So it's really kind of, you know, gently teaching the people around you, your family and your friends, what you need, you know, the presence you need from them and the communication. That's so important because that's how the healing truly happens is when you have people who love you enough to say, this is awful. This sucks right now. Like there is nothing I can say that will make this better, but I want you to know I'm here for you. We will get through this together. It's that moment of sitting down and being with the person and, and saying that, you know, you can't fix this, but you're there with them through the journey. And that's such a powerful thing that we can all learn and try and uh, do for the people we love. So I want to take you back to the midst of your personal tornado. Okay. Who were the people that, that were with you that did see you in that? Well, definitely, ironically, when I lost my daughter, Nikki, who even through her own illness at the time was right there with me, which is, that's always who she was. So it was incredible. Um, obviously my family and my husband, which is for me, a, the beautiful gift of it is that it actually brought Mike and I much closer Um, and it wasn't easy. We did, you know, men have a very different way of kind of handling grief. You know, Mike was back to work two days after because they like, you know, they need to keep busy. They need to protect and they feel that they need to be strong. And it was learning our communication skills with each other that really helped us to grow. Um, and also I had some friends that were just mere acquaintances that, that the friendships became so profound and grew because they were the ones that showed up, you know? And then, it, that's the thing. The thing that's been the most amazing for me is some of my strongest relationships that I have right now are the people who walked in during that time and who said, "I'm here." You know, I'm willing to listen to what's happening to you and help you find your joy again. So um, we're very, very lucky in that sense that we have a really strong group of about you know three or four couples 
that just kind of wrapped around us and, you know, showed me, found, helped me find my laughter again, both after the loss of our daughter. And then last year after the loss of when Nikki finally passed away, I mean, I had girlfriends that would just show up with food or show up with a glass of wine and say, let's, you don't have to say anything. I just want you to know I'm here. And that's incredible. I mean, it, it was, it taught me so much about relationships and connection and how you have to be present for the people you love. Was there a place in your life in this point in time where you felt safe? Oh, absolutely. That would always be with Mike. When Nikki was around with Nikki, she was always home for me. And after Nikki, it was my husband, my family, and then the the few close girlfriends I talked about who would, you know, help me find my laughter again. So for me, relationships are always home for me. I could, you know, I could be at a Taco Bell with the people I love and feel safe and home. Um, oh, Taco Bell does heal a lot of things as well. <laughs> it does. And what did you do if you did anything to honor both of these people in your life that you lost? Uh, I feel that allowing myself to be vulnerable and share the story is honoring them. Very much so because it's, it was not an easy thing for me. I'm, I'm actually one of the people who used to be that I'm fine. Everything's great. I need to be strong for everyone else around me and not share my vulnerability, learning to be brave enough to share their stories, no matter how hard it is. I feel honors them very much so because it's also when you lose somebody, especially somebody as profound as a sibling, which, which Nikki was to me or a family member, anyone that is, that is close to you in that way and holds such dear memories and holds a place in your heart. For some reason, I think we feel we have to stop talking about them or we have to, you know, once somebody passes that has to kind of be put away. And the way I feel I can honor them is, is keeping those stories, keeping those memories, keeping the, you know, even though my daughter, I didn't get to have memories. I have memories of how much I, I was so excited to be a mother. I have the honor of the fact that because of her life, even though it didn't, you know, wasn't able to come to fruition, she brought my husband and I closer. Like she started me on a journey of learning who I was. And with Nikki, I, I love to talk about her and share stories about her all the time. And my friends, thank God, are, are really great at listening. You know, I'll, Nikki would love this song or, oh God, Nikki would love this food or just making sure she's still embraced and remembered because she was just extraordinary and her, her life shouldn't have to end with her passing. And so for me, that's the biggest way I feel that I can honor them is by still making sure that, you know, I'm allowing the impact they had on my life to continue. Would you mind sharing a Nikki story with us? <laughs> like your favorite one? One of my things I think I will always go back to is she, she loved, she embraced, well, first off, she was one of the most incredibly selfless people I've ever known. She um, was a social worker for homeless teenagers, and that was just her passion. She adored helping her kiddos, as she would call them. And they just loved her because she was so great at kind of making them feel heard and understood. And for me, I, I really... I always had so much respect for that, the way that she took these, these kids, these teenagers that felt they had, you know, no voice or no place. And she listened to them with such love and respect. She treated them with such respect. Um, and then the other thing that always comes up is, is she, 
she enjoyed play. Like, you know, if it was the summertime, she was the first person running into the water at midnight, you know, <laughs> in the oceans. Or if she saw a swing set, you know, even in her 30s, she would be the first one running to that swing set and jumping on a swing. And those are kind of the memories that I have so much joy about because I think when it came down to it, that really represented her as well. You know, she always just wanted to have that experience and have that fun. We never bought presents for each other. We bought experiences. So every birthday we would buy a concert to go to with each other or something like that. Cause it was about, you know, not things, but memories. And I'll definitely always hold on to that very much. So. Oh my goodness. That's so beautiful. I'm just, I'm smiling over here cause I can envision this 30 year old woman just running head first for a swing set. And oh, she was, she, was, she loved her swings. <laughs> she loved I just absolutely love that. And do you have a favorite memory or favorite story about your daughter as well? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a memory. The memory I have, I think, was just the excitement of, of knowing I was going to be a mother. Um, I remember when we found out it was going to be a girl and picking her name out. So it was those little things that really kind of thrill you. And then it's also the fact of how close, you know, her, her life, uh, brought my husband and I together. And so I think that's incredibly profound. Like she had such a beautiful gift that she gave to us. Um, even though she wasn't able to be here, you know, in the physical form, she still is what binds my husband and I together. And in love because she brought us together and how we communicate, how we kind of walk through the world. Mm-hmm. So that's for me, her memory is strong in her spirit. Oh, I love that too. Those dreams are very important uh, to us and the hopes that, that come along with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so sorry that you lost both of these people. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, I'm always grateful not only for people to, which is another thing I try and teach is to honor them by saying they, you know, they were there. One of my favorite things that I have for my girlfriends are when they will call me a mom, you know, or, or treat me as a mother, because even though she's not here, I still am and was a mother. And that's so important that we honor that within each other and that we honor these people in our lives. You know, I have people whose parents have got, have been lost and, being able to ask questions like you asking us for me to share a story of Nicole. It's so important that we do that for each other. It really is. You've mentioned your teachings a couple of times, and I'm curious about how you got from feeling the tornado of your grief and being just stuck in the aftermath of that to coming to a place where you could come back from it. Like, was there an event that happened or a book that you read or a teacher that you found that really called you to come back to your life again after your losses? Absolutely. There was actually a a few. Uh, I read Cheryl Strayed's Tiny Beautiful Things, and she has uh, one of her teachings in there is talking about how you can, you know, honor your lost children and still find grace in the moving on from them, you know, that your strength will come in, you know, I think she says moving forward or she has a much better, <laughs> I would have to find it. I wasn't prepared for that question, but oh, it, it's, okay. uh, it's in her book. 
tiny beautiful things. And, but that chapter, I think I read it a thousand times, just going over and over again about being able to know that you can rise above it, that, you know, but getting happy, growing and finding grace doesn't mean that you're neglecting that loss. It means that you're actually gaining strength from it. And then, um, and then I was introduced to Renee Brown, which I'm sure everyone, I hope everyone knows who she is. She's just incredible. And she was what opened me up to the fact that our stories and our vulnerability and not being afraid of the pain is actually something that will make you stronger and help you to have a more courageous and full heart and a fuller life. You know, that the open hearted among us are the strongest. And I just clung to that. I thought it was one of the most profound things I had heard because we're always, at least for me, you know, you're always kind of taught that be strong. Don't let anything hurt you. Don't cry, you know, just keep moving forward. And to have somebody say, no, it's your vulnerability and your stories and your pain that you need to be proud of because those are the things that you grow from. You know, she does that whole poem about, um, standing in the middle of the arena, you know, and, and, and being brave that way, being seen. And, um, those were the things that truly, I think started to move me forward on my journey to really wanting to learn more about those processes to wanting to know how I could take the things that I thought were going to dismantle me. You know, some of your greatest, my greatest fears growing up were not being a mom and not having Nikki by my side. And both of those happened. And so how do you move forward through those fears and through those realities without it, without it tearing you apart? You know, how can you still find your laughter again and, and find the grace and the growth in these experiences? Um, so those were the two teachers that absolutely kind of got the ball rolling for me and lit something up inside me that wanted to try again. Cause I heard something that, that resonated with me, that gave me hope that, I could find purpose within all the pain. I absolutely love that. And it's, it's a big reason for why this podcast exists is to share the stories and the words and the insights of other people who are also walking their way through the tornado. And you just asked some really good questions that I'm going to pose back to you. Um, <laughs> is, is how do you move forward into the future with that, with that, open heart, I guess, to combine Cheryl Strait and, and Brene Brown, how do you move forward with an open heart? For me, I think the biggest, the moment that I could find that I found myself having a trajectory of feeling that I was going to be pull out of that darkness was when I opened myself up enough to friendships that allowed me to be not perfect, not brave, not the one who fixes everything. You know, I kind of have always, I'd always been the person that took care of other people and really wasn't comfortable with people taking care of me. And the minute that I said, you know, I'm going to trust enough to let people see this side of me and to let them be there for me was the minute kind of things changed. The minute I started you know, instead of pushing down the pain, writing about the pain, journaling helps getting back to the creative aspects of my life that I kind of put aside in a box, which I think we all kind of do sometimes, you know, and that's why I joke that coloring pages have become so popular now because there's something in us that needs to shut out that, you know, the technology or the, or the requirements or the, you know, responsibilities we, and it's true, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, have had this too during some of your grief, but you know, you have insomnia, there are nights you can't sleep. 
So those were the nights where I would turn on a funny 80s movie or, or color for a few hours or journal, just anything I could do that, that kind of brought me back to a quiet and a peace, you know, taking away those things that you think you have to do and getting back to just finding a place of joy for yourself. You know, I always joke that, um, that, you know, mac and cheese in a good eighties comedy can cure a lot of, a lot of sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, for, for me, it was just, it was, it was being strong enough to be vulnerable. And I know that seems very paradoxical, but I think it's true. Um, cause now my friendships are on such a completely different level than they were before any of this happened because we've opened up the dialogue of pain. And if you're brave enough to talk about your pain, then when you have that joy together with friendships and relationships, it takes it to a whole nother level. You know, the belly laughs become stronger. The, the night staying up talking with your friends becomes stronger because you're not coming from a place of, you know, frivolity or just talking about your job or things like that. You're coming from such a deep connection and it's incredible. And I think that that was probably my, my hugest, my biggest life lesson was learning that the minute you do let the people in who want to be there for you, um, I think we have a fear that it will, will frighten people away and you might grief grief will make some people flee and you have to forgive those people and let them go because the people that are strong enough to walk in are the people you will have in your life forever. I absolutely love your answer to that question. It really is kind of the formula quote unquote for moving forward beyond grief is opening up with that humanity to other people. Um, Yeah. Because once you realize you're not alone, the pressure it takes off of your heart because grief can be one of the most isolating experiences in the world because not only do we not want to, you know, people sometimes can treat you like you have, you know, I always say people can treat you like you have a disease, like they can catch your pain, you know, <laughs> if, if you get too vulnerable. So I think we put up this wall of, well, I'm, I'm heartbroken right now and I'm broken. So it's better that I just don't see anybody because I think that's kind of what we've been taught, you know, uh, grieve alone, keep quiet, Uh, be strong for the people around you. And the truth is it actually needs to be the exact opposite. We need to feel safe enough and brave enough to tell our stories, to share the stories of the people we left and lost so that we can grow, you know, so that we can get those laughter. So we had those moments of belly laughs back so that we can understand that collectively and universally, we actually are all not alone. We're all going through this together. There's, as you know, with the grief uh, recovery program, there's over, what is it, 47 different ways that we grieve, and yet nobody talks about it. And so I think if we all talked about it as a, as a community, we would have such potential for love and growth, it would be profound. I'm curious now to know how your connections with others and your desire to to talk about grief and loss and our stories have manifested into your teachings and into your work. And, and I'm also curious to know, like, what did you do before you did that? How did that crop up and transform into a business in your life? It's, it's interesting. And it's still, um, I think people still sometimes give me the side eye or the, the, you know, the, <laughs> the eyebrow that goes up. Um, I was actually a professional makeup artist and one of the first beauty bloggers um, for over 18 years. Oh, how cool. and uh about a year before Nikki passed I've been going through all this kind of on my own 
not really talking about it, but I will say that the beauty industry definitely, like my heart was no longer in it. You know, when you're going through something that changes you, it's really hard to talk about mascara. I love that so much. So true. And it's so true. People are around <laughs> talking about the weather and you're like, are you effing kidding me right now? Yes. Look at this real like, shit going on. Totally. It's like, I really don't care what foundation I'm wearing. (laughs) So I was becoming a different person. So when, you know, for me, the connectivity, I was gone. And it's also, you know, I've been doing it for 18 years. So for me, as I was growing and changing my connections and what I wanted in life was growing and changing. So about a year before Nikki passed, I just kind of wanted to spend as much time with her as I could and also deal with my own grief. Cause you know, there's there's preparatory grief that happens. I knew as her cancer started spreading that our time was becoming Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, less. So I ended up selling my beauty blog, which was, you know, such a a beautiful gift that I was even able to do that. Um, so I sold my company and, you know, from some of the money from that, I was able to take time off of work and put some money into education and research. So I took as many courses as I could get, on grief, on self-development, on vulnerability, on self-compassion. Just, I kind of, you know, ate anything I could off the internet that would help me or feel my soul or even just make me understand what was going on. Because what I think a lot of people don't understand too, is you could have many different types of grief with the loss of my daughter. It was a shock. It was an anger. It was, um, a devastation with Nikki. It was a much more, profound grief because it was a loss of a future I expected with her, you know, and it was a loss also of a part of who you are, because I think anyone who's lost a parent or a spouse or a sibling can understand that there's a part of you that also goes with them because it's the memories, it's the communication, it's the, it's the future that you mourn that you won't have anymore. Right. You know, you, you still pick up, I still pick up the phone when something happens to call her. It's just instinctual. It's not even a a thought in my head. So sometimes instead of, you know, texting, I'll go on and I'll write her an email that I never send or something. So I can still have that communication going. And so for me, yeah, the grief I think can take on so many different forms. It really can. Um, so you have the preparatory and so learning about grief, learning about self-help, diving into those courses for me is what helped me understand that journey I was going through because it was completely different than what I went through with my daughter. And I wanted to know kind of why I wanted to know how. And then the more I explored it, the more I just became so passionate about this community and realized how little we talk about grief Mm -hmm. and how little as a community we share about it when we're so, we want it so bad because I don't, you know, I'm sure with you and in this podcast, which is beautiful, what you realize is when you share your story, so many people open up and want to share too, because you're brave enough to start the conversation. You know, with me, when I talk about the loss of my daughter, it's, it's heartbreaking and beautiful at the same time to hear how many of my friends and mothers have said, Oh my God, I had a miscarriage too, or I've battled infertility for years. And, but these are, these are pains that are blocked away in hushed closets and silences, and they don't need to be because the amount of relief and comfort that we can take within each other when we share our stories is, is what will move us forward. And so that's kind of how, you know, I joke that I was outer beauty business and now I'm in the inner beauty business. Perfect. Um, Full circle. (laughs) 
It, it does. I mean, and I still obviously, you know, work online, which, which I was doing with the blog forever so that, you know, everything kind of leads into the other. Oh, and, you know, even as a makeup artist, which I'm sure we all do in our hairstylist, you know, when we're getting our hair done, you end up becoming the counselor because people feel safe and want to talk to you. And makeup is also a mask that we all put on ourselves because we want that perfection. And so in truth, it's really not, it's a different subject. It's a different heart space, but it's the same of, uh, as trying to uncover the vulnerability and the beauty in people that are being suppressed. It's the most impactful and important work I've ever done in my life. Oh, and I love hearing that for you. That's, that's what I want for everybody's life. Not necessarily that they all become grief specialists, but that they do find this work that totally just fulfills them. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know now, looking back over the last six or so years, how has the tornado, how have these two losses changed in your mind? Like what beliefs or thoughts did you used to hold about them that you no longer hold or which ones have kind of cropped to the surface as new beliefs? Like, how do you look back on that time in your life now? That's a really interesting question. I will say that the way I look at my, the passing of, of my daughter has changed significantly at first. Um, and I'm the first to admit this, that, you know, I didn't handle it well at all. I, you know, I, it was such a, I was so angry and so shocked, you know, and then the subsequent, um, illnesses that came out of it. Cause my body had a very hard time with, um, with the loss. It was very hard for me to wrap my head around because, and I've, and I've spoken to this actually with a couple of other mothers who have had the same experience. You know, I went through the labor, my, my daughter was born, but because she's not here and present, I not, able to call myself a mother. I'm not able to talk about a child, you know, especially in normal conversations. So there's a part of you that does shut down a bit because it's such a weird, you know, as a woman, I get asked on a daily basis, do you have children? Do you want children? Are you going to have children? And you have to kind of go through what we like to call, you know, the decision tree of, do I share it with a person? Do I say I don't have children? Do I say I have one child who passed? You know, it, it becomes a conversation of how do you, how do you honor the truth of the fact that yes, we did have a child who's no longer here, but then who do you share that with? So for me, that was kind of the journey. Now I'm a little bit braver with saying, yes, we had a child. No, we can't have any more children. And we're looking into adoption. Like my answers are becoming braver, I will say. Um, and the anger has definitely changed. I no longer look at it as, is something to be angry about because I can now see it as she truly was, was the trajectory that, that became my life's purpose. So she had such a beautiful purpose. And so that, that's how my, my, my view has changed on that. As far as Nikki goes, I don't know if the view has changed, except I think it's taught me a lot about appreciating the people around you to be honest, it's been a year. It was a year in April, so it's still fresh. I look at my friendship with her and the lessons she taught me just from who she was. And I mean, she, she lived everything on her own terms, even cancer. She fought it on her own terms. And so I look at that and 
she'll always have a really huge influence on my life that way, you know, and how no matter what she, as we all should, didn't care what anyone else thought. She did it her own way. You know, Wonder Woman was her spirit animal, as she liked to say. (laughs) And, um, And so, you know, even with the movie out and everything that's going out, like she's around, she's here. And I just kind of joke all the time. I'm like, you know, Wonder Woman is everywhere right now. So it's, it's beautiful for me to be able to see that. Cause for her, that was her, that's what got her through is she just had Wonder Woman symbols everywhere. And that was her, her kind of symbol of fighting it. And I thought that was, was profound, but it is still a little new enough that I can't say that I've changed. I will say I was, I have such a, an appreciation and connection with people who are fighting terminal diseases because it's, it's not a linear line and you are grieving the entire time that person is, whether or not you realize it. And it's a different grief, obviously that, you know, preparatory grief that you, that you're going through. So I can look back obviously on those five years that she was um, fighting her cancer and it was, it was a roller coaster because as a person and as a friend, you're trying to learn how to be present and also how to, you know, give the space they need. And, and for the people suffering, it's a roller coaster for them too. So you can never really be prepared enough to know how to, how to help them in the way you can. You can only just do your best as a friend and be present. And I think that's what it taught me the most was just some, you know, she said one of the best things that I had ever said to her was, this is awful. This sucks. And there's nothing I can do to help you except to be there for you. And she said, that's what she wanted to hear. Cause you know, she was feisty as hell. And she said, if one more person <laughs> told me that I'm going to be okay, I wanted to look at them and be like, what part of terminal cancer do you not understand? Exactly. <laughs> you know? and, oh my God. and so, and I think that also taught me a huge lesson is that we can't, we can't pretend it's not happening. And that makes the person feel so alone and so isolated when we say, you're going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. No, sit with them and say, this sucks. And we're going to be in this together. And if all you can do is just sit there and hold their hand and listen to them, that's the biggest gift you can do. And so she definitely taught me that as well. And also learning how to, you know, take the moments and enjoy the moments as you can. You know, when she was feeling good, doing something doing anything, going to a concert, just going out and having a good dinner, whatever you can do. Um, so that I think for me is the lessons I'm holding on to right now. I do want to ask you one last question though. And that is how our listeners can get in touch with you. If they have stories of their own that they want to share with you that are related, or if they kind of touch base with your spirit during the course of the show, what's the best way for them to find you. Oh, well, definitely. I created um, a site called the best unexpected. And through that, we um, have a Facebook, a private Facebook community where they can join us and they can always, you know, reach out to me as well. Uh, it's just Christina at the best um, But the Facebook community is the best way to really kind of be a part of um, kind of the, space that we're building, which is helping people not only find the creative tools, such as journaling prompts or the coloring pages that I talked about, I call them insomnia pages. I don't know if that's the right word for them though. I love that. Uh, my insomnia pages. Uh, and then we are currently building, um, video courses, uh, such as like, um, grief journaling, 
helping with, you know, art therapy, helping to, as I said, learn how to connect with other people, learn how to open yourself up. Um, so those will be launched in the fall. I'm really looking forward to that, to be able to hopefully reach more people and help people learn how to talk to each other. That's my biggest goal right now is to help dismantle the stigma around grief, to teach people how to connect with each other, to teach people how to be vulnerable and be open. It's, it's a process I'm even still learning constantly. Um, and to give people the space to know that they're not alone. So I would definitely say, please join our Facebook community. Um, there's links all over the website. Um, and you can also obviously reach out to me if there's a personal story that you would like to share and open your heart with. I'd be more than honored to hold that space for people. Because the truth is, like I said, one of the ways that we can heal and move forward the best is to know that we're not alone and to know that other people have not only gone through grief, but have found a way to recover and move forward and still hold space for the people they loved and lost. And so um, I can only hope that, you know, through your podcast, through all of us talking, that this can be kind of a movement where we are no longer frightened to talk about it and can be open to each other and learn that there's nothing to be, your pain and your grief is nothing to be ashamed of. And if you can find a way to find grace through it, you can absolutely grow and heal and become so much stronger in your empathy and your compassion. Just everything kind of hits a level that you never knew you had in you. Um, and I don't know about you, but it's just, I want those connections for everybody else. We're doing the work. I know you've got to do the work. It's so important. It's so important. And it's not easy. And I, I think I want people to know that like this, it is work, as you said, but it's such powerful and healing and purposeful work um, that it's worth every moment of uncomfortableness. You know, it's like, trust the process, trust yourself, trust your heart. We're all so much stronger than we believe. We're all so much more than, you know, the perfect Instagram or Pinterest lives that we're trying to compare ourselves and compete with. It's in the pain. It's in the grief that we'll find our beauty. I truly believe that. And that just seems like, a perfect place to close out our interview today. That was absolutely perfect. Thank you so much, Christina, for coming on the show today and sharing your story. Um, for everybody listening, I will leave a link to Christina's website in our show notes today. So you can find her no matter what platform you're listening on. And Christina, just thank you so much again for coming on the show. It's an honor. Thank you again for having this show for everybody. So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. Thank you to the tornado-braving Christina Lurchin who came back by finding her home in relationships with family and friends and devouring the work of Cheryl Strayed and Brene Brown. You can find more about Christina and her work and join her online community at thebestunexpected.com and you can find that website in today's show notes. My birthday is coming up this week, and I am asking for 25 Facebook reviews to celebrate my 25th birthday. If you love this podcast or the work that I do, jump over to Facebook now and leave a review before August 12th. I'll also be back on Facebook Live this Thursday, August 10th at 1 o'clock Chicago time. I've been off for two weeks, kind of taking a breather with family and friends, but I'll be talking at you this week on my regular schedule. Would absolutely love if you join me. Please subscribe and tell a friend about coming back. Each episode is heart-crafted and made exclusively for your ears, grief growers. I am a one-woman show, so every little bit of support and listening means the world to me. And you never know what somebody you love is going through. 
Thank you always and forever to Mr. Eddie Goldstein, who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Grief Guide Shelby Forsythia, or simply shelbyforsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment for a future show, you can always leave a voicemail or text 312-725-3043 or email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com subject line podcast. As always, my dear grief growers, it was beautiful sharing this space and time with you today. I see you. I am so proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world. And I love you. Because even through grief, we are growing.